0: city first how's everybody doing today come on give it up for everyone join us online right now from all over the place we love you everyone at cape coral southwest florida big shout out and also everyone at god behind bars come on get up for dixon and hardy everyone join us on the pando app and here at the spring creek location which includes our state line friends Thank you so much for being here today. It's a great day to be in church, and we are wrapping up a series that we're calling Iconic, and if it's your first time, we're talking about being God's icon. It's based off of a verse found in Romans chapter 8, and it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image, and the Greek word there for image is icon, E-I-K-O-N, so where we get our English word icon, I-C-O-N that we are basically conformed into the icon of his son, Jesus Christ. So we've been talking about living a life that really, in a sense, takes on his image. In fact, his Christ followers were to do that. So um, this last week... Jen and Paxton, our little guy, and myself were traveling. And um, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I found out there are two types of people when it comes to traveling, all right? The first type of person, that person can sleep in any hotel room, bed, or any place. It doesn't matter. They're out like a rock. The second type needs to have the right pillow and the right bed to get a good night's rest, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, okay, so let's just take a poll here for a moment. How many of you say that you could sleep anywhere, it doesn't matter where you sleep, you could fall right asleep? All right, we're all jealous, all right? How about the rest of us? That You know what, you have to have the perfect pillow or the perfect bed or the perfect combination of pillow and bed. Raise your hand, yeah? All right, I have to have the right pillow. I can, I can sleep in about any bed bed doesn't matter to me, but pillow, the pillow has to be perfect. If it's too like flat, I can't sleep. If it's too puffy, I cannot sleep. And you know what? We have like the perfect pillows at our house. There's these memory foam pillows. I wish I could take them everywhere with me, but obviously I can't. So this last week when I was traveling, we were uh, sleeping in a bed that had a less than perfect pillow, and I woke up with a crick in my neck. Have you ever had this happen before where like literally you get this like pain in your neck, and you can't like move your neck, you know what I mean? And like your back hurts. In fact, I was walking around that entire day kind of like Frankenstein, you know what I mean? I was doing this, and Jen was making fun of me. Yes, my wife, my innocent little wife, all right? I know you all think she's innocent. She's like walking around going, who am I? Who am I? You know? And I'm like, shut it. Well, that night, That night we went to bed and I decided to go to bed a little bit earlier with the terrible pillow. And uh, and so I went into the bed and I shut the lights off in in the bedroom and and about 20 minutes later, Jen came in after returning some emails and, and she didn't want to turn the light on, right? Because the light's already off. And so she's kind of feeling her way. I hear her feeling her way through the bedroom into the bathroom and she gets in the bathroom and all of a sudden I hear the electric toothbrush, you know, start going, she's brushing her teeth. About like 20, 30 seconds after that, all of a sudden I hear Jen with a muffled voice kind of because she has a mouthful of toothpaste. She's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like this. And she starts kind of freaking out. And I'm like, what in the world? And and, and I hear the water turn on in the faucet and I hear her spitting in the faucet and then things are falling off of the counter. It's like she's wrestling a badger in there or something like that. It was like the craziest thing. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Well, What had happened is in the dark when she got into the bathroom, instead of putting toothpaste on her toothbrush, she put my icy hot cream, right? Okay. Now we took a picture of of the tubes the next morning. This is, I mean, like, look at this, like they look alike, right? So she, instead of putting toothpaste, she put icy hot on her toothbrush and, and she was like, man, it was like super minty and like intense, and when she told me that, she comes out and she's like, Jeremy, Harry, Harry, I, 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 I got icy hot in my mouth and stuff. And I'm like, just wait about until 15 minutes when that stuff really kicks in, you know? So the next morning, I'm walking around going, who am I, who am I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's the life lesson in all this? There is a life lesson in all these moments. You realize that, right? Well, this is a life lesson. You make better decisions when you can see. All right, and I know that sounds so simple, but I kind of want to camp on that today. Like literally, you make better decisions when you're in the light and not in the dark. And this week, we're going to wrap up this iconic series that we've been in here for a couple of months, and I've loved this series, and many of you have given us some really positive feedback on it. But today, I want to talk about iconic mission. I want to talk about our mission in life. In other words, what is our heavenly assignment in this life and on this earth? Like, what, what is it? Because this is what I know. You and I, we will establish a mission in life. It's going to happen. The question is, is it an iconic or Jesus-modeled mission or not? You know, some people make it their life's mission to make a lot of money. Like, like literally, for decades, that's their goal, just make a lot of money. Or, or maybe other people, their mission is that they want to acquire a lot of stuff. You know, they just keep buying stuff. Some people, their, their mission in life is to, to have fun. Like, they want to enjoy life. So some people even take it to extreme. It's kind of like an, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die kind of mentality, right? Some people, they, they want to be liked. That's their mission. They want to be liked or, or, or they want people to think they're, they're cool or, or they have it all together. Some people, it's their mission to bring justice for others, you know, to help other people that are marginalized, Some people, it's their mission to create things, like they manufacture things, they create things, and and you know what, they contribute to society, that's their mission. Some people just don't even know what their mission is. I mean, like some of you might be like, I don't even know what my mission is, but all of us have a mission. Some of the mission, you know, maybe those missions are noble, some of them maybe not so noble, but but we have to ask ourselves a question, and this is the question I want to ask today. What is the primary mission for our one and only life? the primary mission. Like, what is the thing that we should do with our life that is the most important thing out of all the stack of things, the most important thing on the top of the pile, what is it that we should do in this one and only life? And by the way, we don't get a mulligan. You get one and you're done, right? So was it the right mission? Like at the end of our life, would we feel satisfied? Would we feel proud in the right way? Would we feel like like fulfilled? And that we know that our life's mission was substantive and maybe even leaves what we call a legacy, right? In fact, one day we will stand before Jesus and we wanna hear this, we wanna hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. In other words, Jesus is saying, you are on mission. You are on mission, the right mission. And, and, and really, all of our work, all of our hobbies, all of our activities, all of our contributions in however many years we're on the face of this earth, it can be summed up in two ways. Number one is this. The number one reason we exist is to have a relationship with God. Some of us are like, I don't know why I have life. Why do we have life? It's because there was a creator that created you. God created you for a purpose and for his purpose, right? So, so he created you to be in relationship. But then secondly, if we're created by God, then what's our primary mission? Well, I believe it's to help others see God. So we're to be in relationship with God. That's why we exist. And our number one mission, it's not the only mission, but our number one mission is to help other people see God. Because guess what? When you can see, you make a lot better decisions, right? You help people see God by how you talk to them and how you love them and what you tell them and, 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 and how you live, you could say. And so, in short, people need to see. They need to see what many of us in here and watching online, that if you're a Christ follower, you came out of darkness, you came into light, you began to see the right decisions to make in your life and how we can do that. You know, it, it doesn't mean uh, that, that, you know, we're going to be perfect, but one of the things that I've noticed, at least in the last year and a half, it seems like a lot of people are walking around in what I would call darkness. They just it's, it's dark in their life. I mean, they're struggling. They're confused. I mean, the whole world was put on pause in 2020, you know? And I mean, there's a lot of darkness right now. People are like feeling for the edges to figure out what's truth and, and, and what's, where's hope and how can I find significance and things like that. And I remember back in junior high, this is a long time ago, we used to play this, this game called Would You Rather. And I don't know if you ever played that game before, but like it'd be like, well, would you rather win the lottery or uh, have a, a life that's twice as long? Or maybe another question would be, would you rather be stuck in an elevator for two hours or on top of a post 100 feet in the air for two hours? You know, these weird questions. Would you rather kiss Mary over there or would you rather lick the toilet seat? That was actually a question people... Didn't want to kiss Mary, evidently. I don't know what it was. But anyway, again, it's junior high, so lighten up on me a little bit here. I mean, right? Uh, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There was one question that I remember, and somebody asked this question to the group. Would you rather be deaf or blind? And I thought, man, neither. But I answered. I was like, I'd much rather be deaf. Because I just think for people that are physical blind, physically blind, it's it's very difficult. And I think we as a society, we should take great care and have great compassion for people that are physically blind because it would be very, very difficult. I believe that. And yet Jesus says this. Jesus makes it really clear that if you do not follow him, if he's not the leader and the forgiver of your life, that you truly cannot see. In fact, he says it this way. In the book of John, it's recorded in John chapter 11. And again, these are Jesus' words. He says, But you will stumble when the light is not in you, meaning his light. If he is not in you, if you've not made him the leader and the forgiver of your life, if he's not in you, you're gonna stumble. For you'll be walking in the dark. In the dark. He uses this metaphor of walking in the dark through life. And so God loved us so much. We're going to talk about this next weekend that he loved us so much he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that our sin can be forgiven so that we don't have to live in darkness but rather we can see because of the light that Jesus gives us. In Colossians chapter one, it says this, God took us out of a life of darkness. I, I kind of get this word picture that he rescued us out of darkness and he brought us into the light. And then again, John Chapter 8, Jesus says this of Himself. When Jesus spoke to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. He literally calls Himself light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. For those of you that have made Jesus your leader and your forgiver, do you remember what it was like to live in darkness? Now, it doesn't mean you haven't had dark times since then, but I'm talking like before you found Jesus. Do you remember what it was like before you discovered and you saw that God loved you, not for what you did, but for who you are? Like unconditional love, you can't earn it. Do, do, Do you remember what it was like when you were in darkness and you didn't realize grace and mercy was yours and maybe you walked around with shame or guilt or, or maybe maybe you didn't see the real purpose in life and, and you didn't really have hope, but then all of a sudden Jesus, you could say, flip the switch, turn on the light, and you could see that, that you could see what it was like to be found and no longer lost. You were rescued, you could say. In 2018, on July 23rd, excuse me, June 23rd of 2018, there was a 25-year-old Thai coach named Ekapol Chattawong, and he and his soccer team decided to go exploring into a cave. I don't know if you remember this in the news, but they walked about 2.5 miles into the cave, and when they were in there, the most unfortunate thing happened. And that is, it was the monsoon season, and a massive storm came and began to dump just all kinds of water, like inches per hour, and it flooded out the entrance to the cave, and these, these young people and this coach were trapped in there. I don't know if you remember this in the news, but it became like a worldwide kind of focus where here's this soccer team stuck two and a half miles underground in a cave, and they can't get out, and they were in there. Get this. They were in there for two weeks two weeks, all they brought was a rope, a flashlight, and a few extra batteries, which means this, that a lot of that two weeks, a good portion of it, they were in complete darkness, trapped. Oxygen was running out because the water had filled up the only way that oxygen could get into that cave, and, and the floodwaters were actually rising because of all the rains. Now, thankfully, after two weeks, I want you to picture yourself sitting in darkness, trapped for the majority of two weeks until they're able to get some lights in there. They're able to send scuba divers in and bring some food and things like that as they were trying to figure out how to get the boys out of there. And tragically, even a Thai Navy SEAL died, a diver died, trying to get oxygen to the boys. But finally, they were rescued. And, And, you know, I thought about this story. I thought, you know, what's so interesting is that, is that really what happened there is there were people trapped in darkness and there were others that came along and were willing to do anything to rescue them into the light. Now, yeah, You couldn't pay me all the money in the world to go spend two weeks in complete darkness two and a half miles into a cave, trapped. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, some of you might go sign me up you know, I'll take a million dollars for it. There's no way. I couldn't do it. In fact, Jenny even, Jen even, I would talking. her, I'm using that story this week, and she's like, I'm never going into a cave again. I remember we were watching the news during that season, and we were just horrified, imagining what it would be like, but yet there were people that were willing to do anything that they could to rescue those that were trapped in darkness and bring them into the light. Jesus says this about us in Matthew chapter 5, 5, excuse me, verse 14 through 16. He says, You are the light of the world. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. You just got done saying that you yourself were the light of the world. And now, after you proclaim that you were the light of the world, now you're saying we're the light of the world? Like he says, Now you and I are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people, listen to this, in such a way. Let me slow down a minute. That your light must shine before people in such a way. In such a way. Can we all say those four words together? In such a way. That, that in, in, in other words, that they see, the verse goes on to say, your good works. Which means that you have to shine your light or live your life or make choices in such a way that people actually see your good works. And then what do they do? Do they give you all the glory? No, that verse goes on to say, what do they do? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Remember, our primary mission is to help others see God so let your light shine in such a way. Why am I camping on that? Well, that denotes there's more than one way to shine your light, because you have to shine it in such a way. I think what Jesus is saying here is that we get to choose the level of effectiveness by how we shine our light. Notice in that verse, the light was shining under a basket, not too effective. But When the light was shining in such a way that people could see, it became effective. In other words, it denotes this. You and I have in our power the ability to shine our light in a way that really helps those living in darkness see. We can flip the switch for people at work, people at school, people in our neighborhood, in our communities. Our light will either shine on people and point them towards the Father or we'll keep our light to ourselves and, in essence, deny people what we supposedly want them to see, and that is a relationship with Jesus. It all is in our court, you could say. So I think Jesus is saying this, I want you to shine your light in a way that is super effective. That, that, you know, people will be able to see me by the way that you live. And, and I just think that is really, really important because, because we all have been rescued to be rescuers. It says in Ephesians chapter five, for, verse eight, for at one time, you were darkness. <laughs> Here, here's Paul taking it to a new level. Now, he, he's not even saying you lived in darkness. He's saying you and I were darkness. Like we were dark in our hearts, dark in our motives, Darken our sin, you could say. But now you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. And all you have to do is be willing to be used by Jesus in everyday ways. doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a barista, a student, a realtor, a retiree, a computer programmer, whatever it is that you do, It does not matter. What you need to do with this one and only life is build a lifestyle that shines your light in such a way that others see Jesus. And it happens by how you get to know them, how you care for them, how you serve them, how you listen, befriend them, how you tell them about Jesus, how you invite them to come to City First. It's the everyday kind of ways of living that really shine the light. If we do that, then we will shine the light that Jesus is talking about, you could say. Because this is what I want you all to hear, okay? Everyone can be a messenger of God's love. Everyone. Some of you are like, ah, I'm a personality. Jeremy, I don't have a personality like you. I would never get up on a stage and talk or whatever. No, 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 no. Listen, it doesn't matter if you have an outward personality or if you are more of an introverted type of personality or somewhere in between. Personality doesn't matter. We can all carry the love of Jesus to the world around us. You don't have to be more talented. You don't have to be richer. You don't have to be slimmer. You don't have to be smarter. You don't have to be more dynamic. All you have to do is just be more aware. A more aware. Like when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow, be aware. Be aware. And, 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 you know, um, about two, three years ago, I went to eat at a restaurant here in the Rockford area. And I was there with uh, my wife, Jen, and our little guy, Paxton. And uh, we had had an out-of-town guest that was in town. And so we, we were taking her out to lunch. And we only had a few hours together. And uh, when we went to this place to eat, the waitress comes up to the table and goes, oh, wait a minute, you're that pastor, that, you know, the pastor guy over at that church or whatever. And I go, yeah. And I introduced myself and found out she she went to another church and we started talking and it was really nice. And then she took our order and then she came back and while the meal was being prepared, she might as well, literally might as well just like pulled up a chair and sat down because she started having a conversation with us and she started talking and asking me some Bible questions and things like that. And no joke, about 10 minutes went by. Now that may not seem like long, but think about this that if your waitress is there for 10 minutes and I'm looking around the room and the other tables that she was waiting on are getting very frustrated, right? Because their, you know, drinks are empty and some of them are wanting to like get their checks so they can get out of there and they keep looking over and they're kind of looking at me and they're like giving me the stink eye and I'm like going, I'm just here, right? You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and finally, I, I said to the, the waitress, I go, hey, I go, listen, this has been really nice. This has been amazing. I know you got to go and probably serve some of these other tables. And I have a friend here in town, It's only here for a couple of hours. And so if it's okay, I'd like to probably not talk anymore about this. And I'm going to probably sit down and, and have a conversation with our friend. And then she got super offended at me uh, when I said that. And, um, but I thought about that. I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think sometimes we do that as Christians that what we do is we just get together with other people that have been brought into the light, and we just want to talk about the Bible. And yet all around us are people that need to be served. And all around us are people with empty cups. And the Bible says this, Jesus quoted, by the way, he says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, that it will not go unnoticed. And I think sometimes we get so inward and so thinking about like church and, and the Bible. And all And again, I'm all about talking about the Bible. So don't hear me as like saying you shouldn't do that. We do that here in life groups and things like that. But, but also, we should also be figuring out ways in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our communities to serve in the name of Jesus, to share light to those that do not have light yet. I I, I thought to myself, I thought, man, sometimes we, I've done that. I've done that. I just want to like sit around with people of light and talk about things of the light. And you know where God's heart is right now? Yes, he's here. His presence is here. His heart is with you. His heart is with me. But you know what? His heart breaks over all the people who aren't here. All the people who aren't in relationship with him. All the people that are stumbling around in darkness right now trying to figure out this thing called life on their own. And so our job is to, yes, talk about the Bible, but then to be mobilized and to go out and to share light, to be aware. If we would just be aware, I'm telling you, it will make all the difference in the world. In fact, it says in uh, the book of Acts, which is a book in the New Testament, says, for the Lord gave us this command when he said, and here are the disciples talking about what Jesus said. They're quoting him. I have made you a light to the Gentiles. What's, what's the word Gentile mean? Basically, those are people that were non-Jews. Those were people that did not know Jesus. And so basically, Jesus is saying, I made you a light to those that don't know me to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. That's what we're to do. In, and you know, that doesn't mean you have to get on a mission trip and fly in a plane thousands of miles away. It means that you could drive to work tomorrow and just be aware. Who's having a rough day? Who, who's carrying stress? You, 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 who, who's that person that's at school, you know, three desks away from you, and, and you can just tell they're in the funk? There's something going on, right? And and we are to be aware, and those are those moments in everyday ways that we can just share the love of Jesus. But unfortunately, in America, many Christians have forgotten that they are rescuers, rescuers that go into the dark places and bring people into the light. They forget that they're rescuers, and instead they decide to be lifestyle referees. And they start talking about the people that still live in darkness and judging the way that they live. And I've said this a thousand times as the pastor of this church. Don't be surprised when sinners sin. Why do we get surprised about this? Why do we get offended by it? What we are to do is we are to bring the light and the love of Jesus into dark places and to show people there's a better way that they can live for Jesus and they can come alive. Jesus can flip the switch. Because that's exactly what he did for you. I was a jerk before I met Jesus. Can sometimes be a jerk after. But you know, I was, I literally, I was a jerk. I was selfish. I had all kinds of issues. And yet, there was someone who had found the light of Jesus. Who showed me that I could have light and I could see and make better decisions with my life. You know what? They helped me, in a sense, to be able to be exposed to a life that is more abundant, like Jesus talked about, and Jesus flipped the switch. Thank God, in 1990, Jesus flipped the switch, and now we are to do the same for others. Does that make sense? Now, somebody did that for you. You know, it started with an invite. It started with an introduction, maybe to church or to Easter services or whatever, and then all of a sudden, the switch, the light went on, right? Like that little, that little saying, the light went on. See, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It was Jesus' job to be the sacrifice for our wrongdoing, to die for our sin. And it's our job to love. And you know what? Introduce people to Jesus. Um, how do we love? Here's the question How do we love? Well, here's the answer by looking for practical ways to be light, very practical ways. At City First, um, we're going to do this this week, and I just invite you to join in. Um, You don't have to. This is is not a homework assignment. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to change lives. And what we're going to do is we're going to do this initiative called Spread Hope Challenge. What is the Spread Hope Challenge? Well, it is this. Every day this week, Monday through Friday, we're going to have this idea of showing light and then inviting. So show light and invite show light and invite. You want to say that with me? One, two, three, show light and invite. Says so that's simple. All right. So what do you mean by that, Jer? Well, this Monday, we want you to show light and then invite a coworker. So bless a coworker in some way and then invite them to join us for, for Easter. You might go, well, they're not going to come to an in-person gathering. Great. We have this thing called the internet. It's pretty cool. So guess what? We have these online Easter services. And last year there were 35,000 people that joined us online for Easter. So guess what? They could be a person that joins us online. On Tuesday, you know what? We want you to bless and invite a student. So bless a student in your life, and then invite them to join in on our Easter services. Wednesday, bless a neighbor, like a physical neighbor, someone in your physical neighborhood, and bless them, and then invite them to come to City First. You're like, I don't know how to do this. Well, on the way out the door today, and if you're at a location, we have these little invite bags that you could take with you, okay? And you could take as many as you want. Hey, it's the last Sunday before Easter, so quite honestly, could you clean us out? Is that cool? But don't let them sit on your dresser use them. Thursday, bless and invite an essential worker. How many of you think some essential workers need to be blessed right now, right? It's been a hard year and a half. So why don't we bless an essential worker and then invite them to join us for Easter? On Friday, bless someone you don't know. Now, here's the truth, okay? And I I know us, you're probably not going to do all five days. That's okay. Don't, like some of you that are perfectionists in here, you're like going, I got to do all five days. No, just do one, maybe two. Can you pick a couple of those and figure out a way to show light and invite? And so how can you be light and invite others to meet Jesus? Just simple, everyday, practical ways. Bless and invite. You can do this. You can do this, I promise you. In fact, you don't even have to stop this week. You could actually make this a habit and a lifestyle. In closing, I think it's interesting that Jesus said he is light, and then later on says that we are light. I'm going to come back to that point a minute. I mean, it's kind of like he says, I'm light. And then he goes, you're light. Well, some of us feel like that's a really tall order. How can we be like the light of Jesus? I mean, really? I fall short. It's a little dim compared to his brightness. Well, it kind of reminds me of this. Do you guys have these growing up? These are these glow-in-the-dark stars you used to put on your ceiling as a kid, right? All right, I love these things. I remember when I was a kid, I put them all up on my ceiling and in the middle of the night, they'd drop down and scare me to death, what it was. I think it was a spider or something. But anyway, um, these things do not manufacture light. They cannot produce light. All they can do, get, get this, okay, they absorb light and then they shine. That's it. Like, they aren't the source of light. What did you do as a kid? Like, you know, your parents go, go brush your teeth. So you walk past your room and you turn the light on, right? Because you want like the stars to really like absorb a lot of light. Go brush your teeth, come back 10 minutes later, 10 seconds later, and you uh, went back in your room, right? And then you turn the lights off and it glows. So here's what I want you to remember because some of you today are listening to this, you're thinking, this is a way tall order. I can't do this. Oh, you can. Just spend time with Jesus and you'll absorb his light. And then wherever you go, you're going to shine. It's just like this. It's super simple. Now, I'm not saying simple as in sometimes it's not a hard choice to do. But the point is, is that you don't have to manufacture the light. You can't. The goodness is not in you. The goodness is in him, who is in you. Does that make sense? And so the more you spend time with Jesus, well, how do you do that? Well, maybe before you go to work tomorrow, just pray, God, give me an opportunity to shine, to share your light. Just spend a little time with God. Read his word. Come to church. Like what you're doing right now, you know what you're doing? You're like these, you're like these stars right now. You're just absorbing light right now. You're absorbing the truth of Jesus. And guess what? When you leave here, you're going to shine. There's going to be a part of you that can radiate. Like, you go to eat somewhere at a restaurant, I'm going to just ask, you take what you learned right here and just apply it. Bless, love, just in very practical, practical ways. This week, there's going to be a lot of people in the state line area or in southwest Florida down at Cape or wherever you're watching right now, because I realize many of you are watching from all over the place. Wherever you're at, I pray that people in our communities see this. Last verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. The people who walk in darkness will see John. See where I'm going? The people who walk in darkness will see, will see Susan. The people who walk in darkness will see Cameron. They'll see a great light. And for those who live in the land of deep darkness... A light will shine. See, we can either get all, like, consumed by all the craziness in our world right now, or we can say, those who live in the land of deep darkness right now in our world will see me, will see you, will see a great light. May we be people of light wherever we go. May you be a light in the office tomorrow, and the day after that, and the week after that, and the month after that. May you be light at school. May people see something a little different in you, and then we will be on our iconic mission, the kind of mission that Jesus wanted us to be on because he said this. He said, I'm light, you're light. He was on an iconic mission, and now we are too. Don't overcomplicate it, and don't be discouraged if it doesn't work right away because guess what? For me... I had people at this church who tried to be light for me for over a year before I ended up coming. Over a year. And guess what? I gave them hell. (laughs) I did. I was a jerk to them. I had opinions about church. I told them my opinions. God has a sense of humor. And now I stand here today. But you know, thank God that those people just continued to be light. And that's what we're asking every single one of us to do, including myself. This week, let's continue to be light. Let's just continue to shine. Let's continue to invite, invest and invite, show light and invite. All right, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here in our auditoriums and, Lord, those watching online. And I just pray that we would be light this week. Before I go on, God, I just ask if anybody would want to make you, Jesus, the leader and the forgiver of their life, that they do so right now. It's as simple as just praying a prayer. They're not joining a church. They're just saying, I've been walking around in some darkness. I need some light. I need everlasting light, Jesus, to come into my life. In fact, if that's you right now, let me just pray a prayer, and you could repeat this prayer after me. Jesus. Come into my life, forgive me of my sin. Give me light. Thank you for your unconditional love for me. I wanna live for you, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a huge round of applause. Can we give him praise?